today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Cash and Carry Kitchens. At the heart of Irish homes for over 40 years. Cashandcarrykitchens.ie Email todaycb at rte.ie Let's take a flavour of some of the text messages coming in on that conversation about the Dublin Metro link. Donna says we heard exactly the same arguments against the Dart and the Lewis. Another, Duncan is right, Column is wrong, the bus system will not cope with the volume of passenger movements and the Metro will. Damien says we need to take a long-term view of the city and the benefits of rail investment. The first rail line in Ireland was built in the 1830s and we still benefit from that investment. Let's think long-term. But this listener says... Not all users of Dublin Airport live in Dublin. Try accessing the airport on the M50. It's a nightmare. One rail service will not solve the problem. It serves those living in the city only out as far as Swords and Roisin. We need this metro urgently. It should have been built years ago. When are we going to project for the future? The metro line is too late. Look at the congestion in the city. We are so behind other cities in Europe. 51551 for your messages. Now, after seven years of being measles free. Northern Ireland's Public Health Authority yesterday confirmed its first case of the infectious disease. It was detected in an adult who picked it up while travelling. This follows a number of cases detected here and in Britain in recent weeks. In a moment I'll speak to retired consultant paediatrician and former chair of NIAC, Karina Butler. But Nicola Heron is a GP in Derry and Nicola's on the line now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Claire. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Now, we can't obviously discuss the specific case that we were told about yesterday. So in general terms, what's the vaccination rate in Northern Ireland and how vulnerable do you think the population is there to the disease? We actually used to be very good, Claire. We were well above 90% up until the last few years when it's dropped down to 85%. What we do know with the, the MMR vaccine is about 90 to 95% of people who get the first MMR become immune to measles with that. When they get the second dose, it goes right up to about 98%. And that's really where we need to be. But because it's not 100% proof, because it, when the numbers drop down to 85%, we actually lose what's called herd immunity. That means that as soon as we drop down into the 80%, we then are at risk of outbreaks like this one. Mm-hmm. And and do you think that COVID had a role to play here? Because we know that in that time, some children miss their routine checkups, maybe miss their callbacks for vaccinations. Do you think that's an issue? It definitely is. I mean, it's very, very easy to get a little bit complacent about diseases that we don't see anymore. I qualified in 1989 and I have never seen a case of measles and don't want to because it's a very, it's a horrible illness. Um, it lasts a, at least a week for some people. I, I'm just looking up some statistics. Pre-vaccine, 2.6 million deaths per year worldwide before from measles before the vaccine programme. So the vaccine programme has made a massive difference. Um, the difficulty, one of the problems with measles is if you catch measles, your immune system is affected for up to three years after the infection. So it's a long-lasting, very unpleasant illness. With and, and with potentially very serious consequences as well in people that are vulnerable. That's children under a year old, pregnant ladies. And for adults actually who catch measles are more likely to get very sick if they haven't been immunised or haven't had natural immunity from exposure in childhood. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not something to take lightly. And it's unfortunate that any controversy that there may have been regarding other vaccines has spilled over into a general reduction in vaccine uptake. And you think that's at play here too, do you? 
I think it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, MMR has had a bumpy ride, unfortunately, and it's absolutely not deserving of that. It's a very safe vaccine, and it's one that protects us from three very, very unpleasant diseases that um, that are preventable by vaccination. Um, so I think I would encourage anybody who has, for one reason or another, not had their child vaccinated, please, please come forward now and either get the full course or get the second dose if need be. Thank you very much, Dr. Nicola Hearn. As I said, I have in the studio with me Professor Corina Butler. You're very welcome uh, and it's good to see you. I haven't seen you since the dark days of... Since the dark days of COVID. Of COVID and IAC, yes. Um, now, we're talking about another infection and we've already seen one death here in Ireland. So tell us a little bit about measles. Measles is... Um, really a very nasty infection. Uh, it was very common in at the time when I was growing up, for example. We had probably 5,000 cases or more every year. Children who are affected are really miserable. They have runny eyes, runny nose, cough, diarrhoea, and of course the typical rash develops. And they are prone to a range of complications from pneumonia, bad ear infections, some brain infection, and even late consequences of measles. But even in the child who gets it to get over it, it really is a horrible. I can remember when I had measles myself back in the late, or probably early 60s, during one of the waves of measles, being kept in a darkened room, because of course measles can affect the retinal cells in your eyes, so people can get blindness. People might remember those who watched Little House in the Prairie, one of the children, and that was blind, consequent to measles, uh-huh. one of the English family. So it really is a devastating um, infection. Uh, our last outbreak, I suppose, big outbreak, back in 1999-2000, uh, there were over 1,500 cases. We had three deaths. Now, the deaths aren't always immediately for the measles virus itself. They can be from the complications like pneumonia because measles also really affects the immune system and makes you susceptible to other infections and that deficit lasts for a while. Um, And then the other thing that people maybe have forgotten about was the late complication, which is a very slow burning encephalitis. So you have a child who gets over measles, seems fine, back at school, doing well for maybe five to seven years. And teachers might begin to notice something going off, their handwriting not as good. And then there is a gradual, relentless deterioration over about two years or sometimes longer, resulting in death with a progressive encephalitis. And that was one of the devastating consequences of measles that we would see. Mm-hmm. So how infectious is it then? Because we remember again from COVID times the R number. Yeah, we remember the R number in COVID, which was about three. Well, measles is several fold that. Anywhere from 12 to 18, even up to 20. So for each person who gets measles, you can expect that in a susceptible population that anywhere up to 18 or 20 people might get it. And then they in turn can spread it on. So you can see how it can just exponentially spread rapidly in a community if they are susceptible. Mm -hmm. Older people, of course, uh, who didn't get the MMR because they weren't uh, of an age at the time, it wasn't available, will be trying to remember, as you are and myself, having measles when you were a child. Are those people who had measles in the past, are are they okay not to worry about this now? Yes, they are. Um, And one of the things uh, that we know is that for people born in Ireland, 
uh, emphasize born in Ireland because we know the epidemiology here, that if you were born prior to 1978, for example, that's kind of taken as most reliable, your chance of having measles over 90% of us will have had measles. Mm-hmm. And measles isn't like COVID. It is an RNA virus, but it's a very stable virus. So once your body has seen it or seen the vaccine and you've had a good immune response to it, that immune response is for most people very durable. So yes, if I've had measles, I don't have to worry. I'm not going to get it again. Mm. What about shingles, though, in later life? Isn't that a concern? Oh, shingles is not related to measles. Is it not? No, shingles is, is related to chickenpox. Oh, it's chickenpox. Chicken pox. My chicken mistake. Pox. My mistake. Another favourite disease. So, but shingles w- is related to chickenpox. We're not saying to people who were born prior to 1978 that they need to get a vaccine now because they're very likely to have had they're measles. Very likely to have had it. I mean, at that stage, we were having, um, on average, about 5,000 cases every Every year and on average about seven deaths every year mm-hmm. from measles. So what you're most worried about are children and younger people who haven't had the MMR. And what's very worrying, of course, is that we're nowhere near that level of protection that protects those for whom a vaccine will not protect and who will stop the spread in the community. So far that, with measles, because it's so infection, we really have a high bar and we need to be up a above 90% of people protected in the community to stop that domino effect of measles. And we're not there. And for some groups, particularly in the older adolescents, um, the rates are touching on 80%, just above 80%. So there's a very susceptible population out there and we could easily see measles take off here as it has in Europe and in the UK. I mean, in Europe, they've reported 30,000, 40,000 cases uh, with many hospitalizations. And because probably not all are reported, in fact, the hospitalization tells you there's a much bigger problem out there than the numbers that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. So the difficulty then is trying to convince and find the people who are in that older adolescent group who may not have been vaccinated. Well, I think the issue is we need to convince Everybody who might be susceptible, and that's children across the ages and included in that older adolescent group, uh, that if they're unsure about their status, if they don't know that they've had their two doses of vaccine, that they should present themselves for vaccine. And the thing is, it's a very safe vaccine. Like we know there's, well, back in the early 2000s, there have been over 100 million doses given. Um There was a scare at the end of the 90s when people, um, due to the way most people know the name of the Wakefield hypothesis and that it was associated with autism, that has been firmly debunked. But because of that scare, there was a real fall off. Mm -hmm. And that was in 98, 99. And immediately we saw increase in numbers. And that accounted for those 1500 cases that we had here in 2000. Have people getting in touch here wondering how they know they're protected? If there are adults, maybe they don't remember having measles. As I say, if we were born before about 1978, you can really assume that you are protected. But there's no way to check that, is there? It can be checked. I mean, antibody tests show if one has had immunity, but it's not necessary to do it for those if they're otherwise well, they... um, 
in all likelihood, they will have had measles and we assume that they are protected. Mm -hmm. But yes, an antibody test can check because you look, as I say, you get very durable antibodies. And so, if so you they have can those be found. Oh, yes, they can be found. So some more listener questions. What's German measles? Uh, German measles is caused by a different virus. It's caused by rubella. Uh, which is the another component in the MMR vaccine. Now, German measles is a much milder illness. Uh, sometimes, obviously, come, being called measles, when they first presented, they were mistaken for each other, uh, just clinically before we had virus diagnostic tests. But German measles is, is rubella. Our main concern about German measles wasn't actually to the person themselves who got it, because it was fairly mild, but it was particularly to women who were pregnant because it was associated with the congenital rubella syndrome, which was a devastating infection if a woman got it during pregnancy and her baby was affected. But our childhood vaccinations now prevent the, rubella. And that as well, yes. So the MMR vaccine at the moment targets measles, mumps and rubella. So it's um, a very important vaccine. And the good thing is that even after one dose of vaccine, about 90 to 95% of people will be protected. Mm -hmm. We give a two-dose schedule, and that's to catch those small percent who mightn't have responded to the first dose, or very rarely some people where the immunity might drop off a little bit okay, to make sure that we keep those protection levels there. Another really quick one. Geraldine has a grandson who's 14 months old and he has diarrhoea going on for three weeks. Oh my goodness. Um, and she'd like to know, is it safe for him to get the vaccine while he's going through this uh, diarrhoea, which sounds like it's going on for quite a long time. But that child, if you're unwell, is it OK to get the, the vaccine? Yes, I'm glad that point to be brought up because minor illness or, you know, coughs and colds or that are, are not a reason not to get the vaccine. Much more important that they get the vaccine. Good to see you. Thank you very much for coming in. You're more than welcome, Claire. Professor. Thank you for the opportunity. Karina Butler, you're more than welcome. Now, uh, abuse of codeine cough syrups has prompted a ban on the over-the-counter sales in the UK. Should we do the same here? Well, I'm going to speak to pharmacist Kate O'Connell after this. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.